When I did my uh, 2018 survey of uh, what's the most important quality for you in other people, one of the six types of people I asked about is a salesperson trying to sell you something. The overall trustworthiness uh, rating was 61.2%. So uh, 61. in 61.2% of the cases out of 363 people who responded, uh, trustworthiness was the most important quality. The highest it was was actually for salespeople with 76.7%. So more than three out of four people, when asked what's the most important quality for you in a salesperson, They said trustworthiness. But you know, I never asked about a customer. I never asked a salesperson about a customer, what is the most important quality for you, the salesperson, in your customer? And so I thought that would be uh, interesting. And, and I did a small LinkedIn poll and I got some interesting results, mostly in the comments that I got. But the purpose of this episode or the topic of this episode is, should you, as a customer, be trustworthy or even care about being trusted by the seller. And the bottom line is, what's in it for you if you do? Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? Before I start, uh, you probably are noticing that my voice is a little different today. Well, I'm on the end, the last day or two of uh, a three-day uh, cold. I took all the vaccinations I could uh, for COVID. I'm taking flu and on time, but there is no vaccine for the cold, and that's what I had. Now, I was going to actually not record today, and this is probably the time to tell you that I typically record my episodes about... Two days in advance. Sometimes it's more, mostly when, when I record a series of episodes on the same topic, then uh, obviously the first one will be released, but then the future ones will be released a week later, two weeks later, and so on. The, the longest it has been was six weeks when I recorded a six-week uh, series, a six-episode series. But uh, in, in this case, uh, this is an episode that was supposed to be recorded two days in advance of... Uh, the day that, that it's it's released, and uh, I'm a procrastinator, you know that, and I'm fine with that. I don't consider procrastination uh, to be a bad thing. Others might, and one of the problems with procrastination is that life happens, and when life happens, uh, it, just in this case, I have the cold, I thought about canceling and not recording this week's. I mean, what, what's the worst thing that can happen? But one thing that, that was, was bugging me was uh, when I talk about the six components of the uh, uh, relative trustworthiness model, one of them is time. And time is made of the, the total length of time, the frequency of uh, meeting the other person. So the more you meet a, a person, uh, the, the more you trust them, uh, the, the trust gets built. The more frequently you meet them, the more you trust them. You don't let trust erode in between meetings. 
But the last thing is the more predictable those interactions are, the more trust builds. Uh, the more you can predict that you're going to meet or interact with the other person. And that was going through my mind when I thought, uh, you know, the worst thing that ca can happen is uh, I'm going to cancel recording today's uh, podcast episode. But then I realized that that would kind of violate the predictability part, uh, the rhythm uh, part of uh, my own trustworthiness. And and I'm not saying that I'm the most trustworthy person uh, on earth or or maybe not even in my own house. But it is a, a decision. It is a uh, factor. And as a result, I decided that, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is that my voice is going to sound a little uh, scratchy like you can hear, um, that I'm going to have to take more breaks as I record, but uh, that I will record. One more thing, since I mentioned the most trusted person or most trusted man, uh, I decided, I know it's going to sound pretty arrogant on, on my side, but I decided to declare November 4th the National Trustworthiness Day. Uh, there is no National Trustworthiness Day. The closest to it is the National Honesty Day, which is April 30th. And the explanation to that date is because it's the last day of the month that starts with April's Fool's Day. So this is Honesty Day uh, on April 40th. Uh, 30th, but but that's still not uh, trustworthiness day. So I did some research on how someone decides on a national holiday, and apparently there are several organizations that uh, hold their own calendars, and for the most part, those those calendars are aligned, and they're aligned because. Uh, other entities outside of these organizations have accepted that this is the national holiday, whatever holiday uh, there is. And, and there, there are some crazy, crazy holidays there. Uh, so if you search national days, you're going to find some, some crazy days there. But there was no National Trustworthiness Day. And I just went and applied to uh, three of the organizations to say I would like the organizations that maintain those calendars. And I'm not going to name them. And I applied to them and, and said uh, I would like to declare uh, November 4th as National Trustworthiness Day. Uh, I will explain what was the reasoning behind it. Uh Walter Cronkite, there was a poll back in 1972, right before the presidential elections. And it's so appropriate that we do that right before the presidential elections, uh, the, not the presidential, the midterm elections in 2022. Uh, there was a poll of who is the most trustworthy, really, politician. And so they had the presidential candidates, governors, senators, and so on. And at the last minute, and I'm not, I couldn't find the whole story. And I didn't mention it in the Book of Trust. But uh, at the last minute, somebody decided to throw the name Walter Cronkite back there uh, as a CBS news anchor. And as it turned out, uh, in that poll, the most trusted man in America came out to be Walter Cronkite. November 4th is his birthday. He was born on November 4th. Uh, I believe he passed on July 17th. And... Uh, it's just as good a day as ever. It's uh, close to the election, which is a good time for us to uh, uh, to hold our politicians to trustworthiness, to be uh, trustworthiness. 
uh, to be trustworthy. And so, uh, therefore, and I'll talk more about that uh, possibly in the next uh, episode or, or after that. I'll talk more about that and, and look for publications from me. Uh, but you know what? Nobody else claimed it. So I'm going to claim November 4th as National Trustworthiness Day. And with that, I'll go to the real topic of this episode. And the real topic, as I said, is should a customer be uh, need to be trustworthy? And uh, I found a great source for ideas for topics by putting a LinkedIn poll. So I put a LinkedIn poll uh, less than a week ago. I only received 21 responses. So, you know, I'm not going to focus on the... Uh, the uh, percentages, because with 21 responses, the margin of error is pretty high. But I asked, when do customers need to be trustworthy? Of the 21 responses, 15 said always, four said sometimes, two said never. But it's what they wrote that was interesting. So I'm going to read to you some of my, uh, some of the comments that I received. One said, buyers are liars. They don't mean to be. They're not trying to be malicious. They just don't know what they really want. For example, until they see it. They have a difficult time telling what their real buying criteria are because they're not sure themselves. Customers say they buy on logic, but study after study proves they buy on emotion. As the old saying go, trust by verify. So it's it's interesting. I mean, I mean, the first three words are, are pretty uh, uh, out there. Uh, buyers are liars. They're not really liars. Uh, I think that uh, the, the second sentence, uh, the second sentence was that they don't mean to be. That means that they're not liars. That they just don't tell the truth, but um, not intentionally. Uh, that's that's one position. Another one was that my family owns a small business. We have to gauge the trustworthiness the best we can when people are buying items with checks, credit cards, or even applying for credit. Because most of the time, if it is fraudulent, fraudulent, it falls back on the business. For me, it's a thin line to thread. But most, uh, mostly you want to look for signs and try to determine uh, and gain or give trust. So that's an interesting perspective from, from a seller selling and saying, you know what, I, things have happened to me. And, and remember that we are the sum of our experiences. The next one says, uh, hard to work with a client that you can trust. Another one says, answering salespeople honestly leads to a positive experience. And, and I'll talk more about those things. And the last, one say, uh, the last one says, I think as human, we should strive to be honest and trustworthy in all of our intersections. Um, interactions, I'm guessing, uh, whether as a seller or a customer. And, and I'm going to touch on all of those uh, when I describe describe this. One thing I want to get out of uh, the way uh, from the get-go, the question, is the customer always right? The answer to that is no, the customer is not always right. The customer is a human being. Uh, like one of the respondents say, uh, said, uh, they, they lie even when they don't mean to be. So they're not always right. And as a seller, you have a responsibility to uh, uh, get to the real truth, get to what the customer really needs versus what uh, they think they need and they say that they want. Uh, the customer is not always right. So I'll, I'll get this out of the way. Now the question is, can you trust the customer? 
Should the customer even care about whether you trust them or not? Before I answer the question, um, can I be trust? Should I be trusted or not? The, the first question I have to ask is, what is it that I'm being trusted with? So, from a seller's perspective, what do sellers want to or needs to trust customers with? One is that they co- they communicate on time. You know, I'm sending you a quote. I need you to communicate back on time. Uh, they need you to communicate truthfully without biases or ulterior ulterior motives. And and I'm going to add to to the point that was made in one of the comments on my poll that that their answers are the real answers that they can get themselves down to why they really are buying and what is it that they really expect. So communicate on time, truthfully, what they really need or or what they really feel. You you know... uh, one thing I would say is uh, I don't want customers to tell me what they think I want to hear just to get me off uh, off a business interaction. If there's something that you don't like about my my service, tell me. Tell me what it is. It's going to help me. And that is kind of something that I trust you with. I trust you, the customer, to help make me a better salesperson. Sounds a little crazy, but but it is. It, it is something that uh, salespeople really appreciate and really uh, trust customers for doing. A big one is paying on time and, and obviously the required amount. That is a big one. Uh, you know, business sells and selling and buying are done for economical reasons, for financial reasons. I'm giving you the goods or the services. You're giving me the money. I need to trust you that you will be paying on time and as much as I ask for. And we'll see what happens if, if that doesn't happen. I need you to meet the contractual contractual obligations. So some transactions are very simple. You go into a store so the salesperson sells you something, they hand you the, the merchandise, you pay, you're out. That that ends the contractual oblig- obligations for you as a customer anyway. Um, I, I may have more contractual obligations to make sure that the product is working, it does what it's supposed to, and that I will service it. But your contractual obligations pretty much ended. <laughs> Uh, one one thing that could be included there is that you don't mess with my product. Uh, when you bought it, there was a contract. The contract said that uh, there are certain things that you shouldn't do. You should come back to me and I'll do them. Don't do them yourself because uh, uh, then you may void warranty or things like that. Th- this is when we talk about a one-time transaction. Sometimes they, the uh, selling process includes a long-time engagement, and that engagement might include certain quantities that you will buy in a certain time. So let's say that I gave you a special discount price because your forecast for the year was to buy 10,000 units, and you're supposed to buy them uh 800 units a month. So that would end up to 9,600, almost 10,000. That's in the contract. First month comes comes in 
and you submit an order for 200 units instead of 800. Well, the price you got was under the assumption you're going to get 800 units a month, not 200. And, and there might be financial consequences to me, the seller, because of that. The next month comes around and you go, well, I don't need anything this month. Well, you got a special price because of your contractual obligations, if you think about that. Another thing that uh, you as a customer is trusted by or needs to be trusted by, by the seller, is in giving an honest review. You know, some sellers would say that I trust you to give a positive review. And sometimes I have to admit that I'm I'm kind of taken aback by sellers that reach out and say, uh, I need you to send a positive review. I need you to send a five-star review. I need you to give me 10 out of 10. If it's not 10 out of 10, please don't give the review and so on. Uh, I have to admit that that's, I'm, I'm taken aback by, by requests like these from sellers. To me, it's giving an honest review. I don't need a, uh, you know, a, a greatly positive review. I don't need everything to be five out of five. But I don't want it to be just a mean review. You know, I, I, I trust the customer to give an honest review. I trust the customer with information that might not be public. Uh, and I would trust them to keep that information to themselves that could help them uh, make decisions. Now, I'm not talking about violating confidentiality. I'm not talking about giving them uh, information uh, that I should not be giving them. But sometimes I give them information beyond what's publicly available, and I ask them to keep it to themselves. Customers may not live up to the trust that I have in them, uh, not not because they intend to be untrustworthy. I mean, you, you may do that simply because you don't you, you don't realize that you're doing it. So, for example, when a customer does not respond to emails asking to be paid on time, you know, the, we issued an invoice, the customer was supposed to pay on a certain date, didn't hear anything from the customer, money did not come in, starting to reach out to the customer, they, they kind of avoid my emails, and they avoid my emails not because they don't want to pay, not because they, they don't think that they got the service or the product that they expected, it's just because they're overwhelmed uh, with, with other things. It doesn't matter. What matters is the result. Now, another thing that you have to keep in mind is, I'll go back to that component of time, the relationship between a seller and a buyer, for the most part, typically is short. I mean, there are relationships that go on for years, uh, both in the services and product uh, categories, but relationships typically with the client start with the first interaction. In the first interaction, I don't know enough about the customer. And if you remember, I talked about the first impressions and I talked about the fact that every little positivity or negativity in an interaction with a customer or with anyone for that matter has a much bigger impact on trustworthiness in the early stage of a relationship than later. So every little transgression by the customer is interpreted much more stronger then uh, if the same thing happened much, much later. So let's say that that I have a customer that I provided a service to uh, 
and it's been years uh, that I've been providing the services and uh, all of a sudden they're, they're not responding to my emails. Well, I'm a lot more leaning to trust them and believe that this is uh, either my emails go to a spam folder or something else is happening and, and it's not really part of their relationship with me when we had a relationship that went on for years. But if it happens in the first interaction, I, I get very suspicious and I'm much less likely to think that this is because my emails went to spam or something uh, as innocent as that and more, much more likely to believe that it's because of them not being trustworthy or not acting in a trustworthy way. Now, uh, I, I want to add one more thing about positivity, and that is, can I, as a customer, go overboard in being trustworthy? So I, I'll give you an, an example that just happened this week. I took a few of my books to a uh, Fiverr, if, if you're not familiar, Fiverr, uh, com is a company that um, where you can find a lot of freelancers all around the world to do things for you, um, mostly digitally, in a very fast, very low cost way. And there are pretty good people there. And this week... I, I got a few of my books. I wanted to convert them to Kindle. And, and I don't know, the Kindle app was, was just acting up on me and, and was really, really hard to, uh, to operate, to, to convert them. And at some point I said, you know what? I, I don't add a lot of value by doing the conversion myself. I'm going to hire someone. I looked at Fiverr. I found someone that, uh, that uh, would do a good job, sent the first book. First book was uh, like 180 pages, 40,000 words, uh, their charts, graphs, and so on. Uh, they asked for $15. Yeah, that, that's it. $15 to convert it. Paid $15. They converted it. Looked at the result. A few minor uh, things to correct. They did that. He did that. And it looked great. And I said, you know what? I'm going to send you the next one. And I told him up front, the next one is a 550-page uh, book. This is the Book of Trust, third edition. Up until now, I didn't have it on Kindle. By the way, uh, right now, every one of my books is on, available on Kindle as well, in, 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 in ebook format. So I told him, it, it's going to be a 550-page book, and I know that your... Uh, I don't remember what what he called the premium version of his service is fifteen dollars. Uh, it actually starts with five, but the premium is fifteen dollars. But it says up to four hundred pages. So I sent him a note saying, "Listen, uh, I have a five hundred and fifty page book. Um, how do you want me to send it to you to pay for it?" And he said, "You know what? Uh, just just send it as a, a single premium." That that was nice of him, I have to admit. And I expected this to be a lot of work. Well, I sent him the, the book of trust, the full book of trust, uh, third edition, 550 pages, a lot of drawings. Uh, he converted it. And he wrote a note to me. And in that note, he said, listen, I didn't know that it was going to be this hard. Don't worry. I'm not charging you more. I, and I did the work, and he did. Uh, one small issue that he immediately corrected. 
He said, if I would have known, I would have asked for more money for, for this one. I looked at the result. The result was great. It was really good quality. And, and just, uh, you know, go get the, the Book of Trust third edition on Kindle. You'll see what it looks like. So I paid him the $15 plus a $20 tip. Now, I know we're not talking uh, millions of dollars here. It's, it's not dramatic. But I really gave him a tip that was more than, than what he asked for because I realized that, that he deserved more. And by the way, since then, I sent two more books to him, uh, which he did. And I gave him tips on those as well. Now, so the way he would look at me right now is I should be more trustworthy than the average customer that he has because I paid him so much more. Well, this is where we go back to the bad is much stronger than good because I don't believe that the impact of the extra bonuses or extra tips that I gave him is going to be so much impactful on his trust in me as a customer than if I screwed him over on the opposite direction. Bad is much stronger than good. So, you know, what I did, I did because I thought that that was a good thing to do. I I agreed with him. Uh, I was surprised when he said initially just uh, order one premium package. But uh, I, I don't think that it's going to have much a big impact on my trustworthiness in his eyes than if I did one of the negative things that would that would have a much bigger negative impact on my trustworthiness. But I'm going to go back to my original question. Should I be more trustworthy? I mean, I gave you a list of what are the things that I'm expected to be trustworthy with. But, you know, I know it's, it's going to sound somewhat self-centered. What's in it for me? What is the risk for me or the negative consequences for me for not being trusted by a seller? And I'm going to touch on the next time I buy or even this time, the thing that I already bought, if I'm, I'm considered untrust, uh, untrusted. Let's say that, uh, you know, the obvious thing is that I proved to be untrusted or non-trustworthy by not paying on time, ignoring emails requesting f- uh, f- uh, for me to pay, uh, not paying the right amount, uh, you know, sending payment and all of a sudden there's a net 60 in there. So I'm going to be paying you in 60 days, which is not in the original contract. And we never talked about that. What's the consequence? What's the risk for me? Well, maybe there is no next time with this seller. I encourage you to never think that way for several reasons, and you'll see them. But what would happen the next time? The next time this seller goes, oh, it's Yoram again. Yoram is not going to pay on time. Yoram is, uh, is going to pay me with net 660, uh, net uh, 60, which means that... If I had that money and I would put it in the bank, I could make another 3% of it on it. You know what? Let's raise the price for Yoram by 
So I'm going to end up paying for what I did last time. I'm going to get bad payment terms. You know, last time I could pay after the deal was done. Next time I'm going to have to pay in full before the deal gets done, before, you know, the service is, is delivered. Let's say that, that I hired somebody to do a service for me and uh, I was supposed to pay last time, I was supposed to pay immediately after the service was done, which is only fair. I get to see that the service is done and it's done to my satisfaction and, and then I pay. But last time I kept them going for 30, 45 days, something like that before I actually paid. Next time I'm going to hire that service, they're going to come back to me and say, you have to pay before the service is delivered. Why? Because of last time. So that can happen. Uh, Let's talk about this time, you know, uh, whether it was service, especially if it was a product and I still need support, they may deprioritize me for support. So, you know, I'm not going to get the support that a trusted customer that lived up to what was expected from them is getting. Uh, I'm going to have a less forthcoming seller if I violated the information that they gave me that was I was supposed to keep to myself. They're not going to give me that kind of information next time. They're only going to give me what's, what's publicly available. Uh, now, you know, the market changes between... Um, being a demand market or a supply market or being a seller market or a buyer market. Maybe today I feel all powerful because this is a buyer's market, which means that demand is lower than supply. Sellers are fighting for my business. As a result, I believe I can screw them over. I don't need to be trusted. Well, the market is changing. And next year or five years from now, it's going to be a seller's market, which means that demand is much higher than supply. And the seller is going to remember how I treated them and that I'm an untrustworthy customer. And as a result, they will deprioritize me when demand is high. I'm going to be much lower on the on the list. Now, remember, I said, uh, does it matter whether there's going to be a next time or not? There might not be a next time with this seller, but you can assume that sellers talk. And when you go to the other seller, another seller may have heard about your behavior, your untrustworthy behavior with one seller from that seller. And uh, just assume that your behavior is not going to be... uh, is is not going to be private. It's if you especially if you behaved in an untrustworthy way. There is a much higher likelihood that that seller is going to share that information with other sellers. So this is going to come back to bite you. But you know, I'm going to go back to um something that uh, a friend of mine Micah who used to be my student at SMU uh wrote And I know it sounds kind of very utopic. Uh, She said, I think that as humans, we should strive to be honest and trustworthy in all of our interactions, whether as seller or customer. And I want to latch on this because, 
if you behave in an untrustworthy way in one, one relationship, there is a much higher likelihood that this kind of behavior is going to spill over to other relationships. And in other words, you become an untrustworthy person in general. So being trustworthy is based on a lot of habits that you're going to build. But the more you build those habits, those habits would apply to any relationship. So one of the risks for you to be an untrustworthy untrustworthy customer is that that untrustworthiness will spill over to other relationship and you become an untrustworthy person. There is one more last risk that I want to talk about. And that's a risk not only to yourself, but to other buyers as well. I want to remind you the eighth law, the eighth law of trust, that trust is a two-person game. It's a two-sided game. The level of trust that a seller has in you is the product of their trustability in buyers in general and your trustworthiness specifically. Uh, typically, when I say this, that my trust in you has uh, is the product of uh, my trustability and your trustworthiness, there's almost nothing you can do about the former, my trustability, and everything you can do about the latter. Note that I use the word almost. There's almost nothing you can do about my trustability. There's almost nothing that you do about a seller's trustability, a seller's willingness to trust buyers in general. Almost. Because there is some. Because typically once a seller gets burnt by one untrustworthy customer, they want to make sure that this does this never happens again. So a seller that says, uh, I'm going to uh, charge right after the service was delivered, if one or two or several customers have not paid within reasonable time, uh, within reasonable time after the event was was done, after the service was delivered, that seller might add terms and conditions to their agreement, to their contract, one of which is going to be no more after the service payment. So your untrustworthiness in one transaction can spill over to the trustability or add to the trustability to lower the trustability of the seller and affect other buyers. You make sellers more skeptical, less trusting. Other customers will suffer from it, but guess what? When they do it, you will suffer as well. Because the sellers, just like every person, they are the sum of their experiences and if you as a buyer give them, or as a customer, give them negative experiences, that's going to spill over to other relationships that they have. And that's on you. I hope this was helpful. I'm glad that I did record this, uh, this episode and that this season will, at least at this point, still have 12 episodes until the end of the quarter. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. 
email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.